Hi, I'm Brandon. And I'm Megan. For years, we were stuck in a rut, always complaining that nothing ever changed for us. And then we realized, if we wanted to improve our lives, we had to put in the work. Each week on this podcast, we'll get into an aspect of personal growth, relationships, or just life. Through our own experiences and guest interviews, we hope to inspire you to make your own positive changes. Welcome Welcome to to the the Fools in Love Podcast. Podcast. Hey guys, we're so excited to welcome the Freemans to the Fools in Love podcast today. Erin and Jocelyn Freeman are authors, speakers, and relationship coaches. They have online relationship courses, a podcast, and are truly making a difference in the lives of many couples. Thanks for coming on today, you guys. We're well, so thanks glad for to be having here. us. Yeah. So before we get into the episode, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about what you do and how you got here? Okay, sure. Well, we got here really from unexpected twists and turns. I'm sure for those of you listening, you've had those times where you wake up and say, wow, we've really gone on a detour here. And we actually were in completely different professions five years ago. And honestly, it was when we met and we felt like we rediscovered our purpose because to be honest with you, like if we were to zoom back to really when this all became inspired for me, it's way back when I was a child. I remember the day my parents were telling me they were getting a divorce and I was devastated. I couldn't believe it because so many people would compliment them for their love and be like, Oh, I want a relationship like that. You guys are so in love, your best friends. And then all of a sudden they turned into really not liking each other, yelling, terrible fights, you know, divorce. And I really remember as a kid thinking, how can this be? Like, how does this even happen going from that much love to that much hate? Now, I took a detour, went down a completely different profession. But when Aaron and I met, it was like we were reminded of our purpose. And now we've been years into leading couples workshops. We do relationship coaching. We actually train and certify other relationship coaches and people building a brand because we're on a mission to make it normal, make it mainstream to proactively work on your relationship as opposed to like when it's in crisis and you're all of a sudden needing therapy. We want to make it more normal to do that preventatively. So anything you'd add to that, Aaron? No, that was great. Summary of our life. And I just like to put in an analogy because a lot of guys can hear that and immediately have this reaction of, well, nothing's wrong. Don't need to fix anything. And Brandon, maybe you relate to being in the same place. But if you think of any other area in our life, like maybe some guy wants to be a better golfer, right? So you go out into the course and then you just want to stay the same? No, like you want to get better. You want to shoot under par. So what do you do? You get the skills needed to be better because that's fun. But that's not seen that way in relationships. But if you could see it as all we need are some set of skills and by practicing them together, our relationship can be even better that's the place we want to come from. That's what we want all couples to be on the path of. Not that there's anything wrong or you got to go to therapy or you shouldn't be together or should we continue? You just need better skills because it's fun to get better. Yeah, I love that. I, I don't know that Meg loves this analogy, but the analogy I always love is it's like a car, right, Aaron? I th- Hopefully you can, you can relate to this, but when you get a car, it's awesome and you get it on the first day and it's great, but you got to do regular maintenance to that car. You got to do oil. You got to have oil changes. You got to go in for regular maintenance and service. Like your relationship is a lot the same way. You can't just have it and it's amazing at the beginning and then you never touch it again 
and it's just going to run for all time <laughs> with no problems. But I, uh, it's so funny you say that. I literally wrote that out last week. And even maybe Megan, you'll like this one better. You like your car to be washed, right? Because it, <laughs> it looks clean. It looks sexy while you're driving it. You look good in it. You're confident. So even if you don't like the changing of the oil or changing the tires, exactly like Brandon's saying, there are things you do to your car so that it can give you the confidence that you need, that you want, the experience that you want in life. So Brandon, I do love that now. Well, and one more thing I'd add to this too, because I love what we're jamming on kind of the why of all of this. Where else in the in our lives do we just kind of jump into it blindly? I mean, if you think about it, you would not go to a doctor who didn't go to medical school. You would not work out with a personal trainer who didn't have some kind of a training, but yet we end up signing this marriage license being like, yeah, yeah, let's commit to forever with no training. And we always make a joke of like, most of us aren't qualified for marriage, <laughs> right? Like we would not get the job normally if we were to look in another place of life. And so it's just interesting that society hasn't caught up with that same philosophy in marriage yet, but that's where, you know, we're on a mission to make well, we're having home. this podcast right yeah. now. Absolutely. I love it. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, because I I was guilty of just thinking that you could totally get away with no maintenance, no, no work, just, you know, signing for the signing up for the I do without any real plan going forward. So I'm excited for this conversation. Well, even just to jump in real quick and Brandon, I'm sure you have something. That's what all couples think. You know, you are in this place where you're experiencing some love, you're experiencing some support, you match with this person on compatibility and things you have in common. And that the feeling in your body, the experience you kind of feel like that's going to carry you through. Like you just don't go into their marriage thinking of these things necessarily. Like because of the feeling that you're having now, of what you would label love, you think it's just always going to be there. So it's kind of like a mistaken assumption. I think couples make in the beginning, but why not? You're feeling so good with this partner. You're like, oh, that's not going to be us. And you just don't even think of it. Yeah, exactly. It's the whole idea too of just like the falling in love and you get the initial butterflies and everything else. But for me, I always I always dislike the the whole idea of falling in love because if you can fall in love, you can just as easily fall out of love. And I believe that marriage takes a lot of work. And so it's not always going to be easy, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to get the skills, create different strategies to move forward. So I, I love that. Well said. Yeah. So Megan and I have been married for 11 years, well, almost 11 years, and we've worked together for seven. And in that time, we've had to learn that proximity to each other does not necessarily equal great communication skills. So even though we spent a lot of time together, it didn't make us understand the other any better. So what do you guys find the biggest barrier to communicate for couples? Well, you know, besides just not having any education, right? Like none of us went to communication 101, relationship 101. And in fact, what we often do is just repeat what we saw our parents do. So maybe your parents were, one person was a kind of stonewaller. They just got quiet and, and spent alone time. And the other person would yell and slam doors and try to get as much attention when they're upset we often then just repeat what we saw our parents do unconsciously. And then when we get married, we're both bringing in that upbringing. 99% of the time, it's not effective communication. And so number one, our upbringing just influences us so much. And people don't talk about that before marriage. For the most part, they get married. They're both bringing in that past instead of what it could look like is 
you know, whether it's before marriage or for those of you who are listening and you're like, um, well, we're 10 years in, can we still do this? Yes, you can. It's at wherever you're at, pausing and saying, okay, these are the paths we both have, but what do we want to consciously say our relationship will look like? Just like if you were going to start a company, you would decide what the company culture was going to be like. You were going to come up with policies together, roles and responsibilities. That same sort of intentional design can be brought into the relationship. And Aaron and I, like we have very clear communication agreements. We have things that are a no-go for times of conflict, which I can give you some examples of that. But there's really, you know, multiple parts of communication. There's communicating to understand each other, which is often in a calm state. And then there's communicating when emotion is high, which is conflict. So depending on where you want to go, we could talk about just what it looks like to actually understand each other in communication, uh, which also, I think this would be a really interesting place to go. Communication is not only the ability to understand our partner, but it's us being good at speaking so our partner understands us. And it's so funny when people come to us and they're like, I think I'm a really good communicator. And we'll watch them, we'll do a session with them and watch how they're communicating. And we have to, we're like, break it to them. We're like, can we be honest? You actually aren't a good communicator. So it depends on where you want to go with it because communication is such a big topic. Yeah. I mean, I love that idea that you just were saying about, you know, the one person being like, yes, absolutely. I'm the best communicator ever. And you guys are like, what? (laughs) Because that I think is pretty common. I mean, maybe it's not, you guys would know, but I think it's pretty common that that would be one person saying, I'm speaking so clearly. And I know it's happened for us as well. Like I'm speaking so clearly and Brandon just has no idea what I'm truly saying, even though in my head, I'm absolutely 100% on board with my, my own thoughts. <laughs> well, that's well, where- so great. What you're saying, what you're, what we all are missing when we think of communication is we think of our words to our partner when the biggest aspect of communication is probably the listening. So that's the, that's the piece that really gets missed, especially for these couples that Jocelyn's talking about. Oh, I'm a great communicator. Well, what they mean is they say a lot. That's not being a great communicator. It's not just talking. Like talking is not communication. You have to be able to listen. And so that's what I think a lot of couples get into trouble in is in the communication. You know, if you think of the delivery of communication back and forth, I'm going to say things to Jocelyn here. And my intent or purpose is that she understands me. She understands my point of view. And I'll usually get, and I'm speaking for everyone, Where I get defensive or I get angry is when I feel like I'm not being understood. And so I keep on trying to have my point of view be heard by Jocelyn and I'll raise my voice. I'll try to say it a different way. But the main thing is we can pause and just say, you know, what if I first sought to understand your point of view? What if I sought to first not say anything and just really listen to you. What's the experience been like for you? What are you trying to communicate to me? Where have I been missing something? And that's really the, the key where if couples could pause and say, okay, if communication was more so about listening for me to understand them, man, your partner is going to feel so understood, so heard, so held, so supported that they now want to hear from you. So if we just make that short shift, you know, communication can dramatically change. Yeah, I love that idea. Megan and I were actually recently at a conference and one of the speakers was talking about that. He's like, you know, you can go to college and get a degree in communication, but when did you ever have to take a course in listening? 
uh, <laughs> listening to the other person because in reality, an ego, I believe, comes into play. But most of the time, you're listening to respond, not to actually take it in, but to think of what you're going to say back and respond. And I know me and Megan were guilty of that early on in our relationship. And it's like this, this idea where you're, you're loading the gun as they're saying something to you, you're loading your gun to like kind of blow it back at them and really get your point across. And that's exactly what you're talking about here, Aaron. It's just not really listening at all and giving your partner the time of day, but really all that too comes with prioritizing time because like you're acting you in that you're showing your partner that you believe your time's more valuable, which could obviously do more damage than good. Hmm. Yeah. Really interesting. I never thought to make that correlation of your partner feeling like their time's not as valuable. Love that. All right. So I have to ask this because now that we're down this road, I got to know, do our personalities, our individual personalities matter at all in how we tend to communicate? That's a pretty big question right there. Cause that, I mean, personalities are really interesting, which I guess here's what I would say. I had a personality seven years ago that was completely different than it is now. I think people think they are the way they are and they're stuck that way. And then they go into the relationship and go, well, you just have to accept me as I am. This is how I am. And, <laughs> and it's not effective, right? It's, it, it's, your, their personality can actually become a problem in the relationship. So people have to realize, number one, your, your personality is not fixed and stuck that way. Mm. And you have to ask yourself, is my personality contributing to our partnership? Now, Aaron and I have quite different personalities. We have a lot similar, but we have different personalities. And I think we've had to learn that we can have different personalities, but that's where our agreements come into place for communication. So even though I have kind of a tendency to be a little bit more fiery energy and Aaron is much calmer, we have agreements, whether it's just general communication or times of conflict about not raising our voice, no name calling, no cursing, uh, no interrupting each other. So even though we have different personalities, our agreements allow our personalities to still work together instead of like conflicting. And so I would say for sure, we, I think a, a great couple has different personalities. You wouldn't necessarily want to be with your exact version of yourself. And I have to remind myself that all the time that Aaron's, you know, calmer demeanor is actually one of the reasons that we really create balance with us. Us, but it shouldn't be an excuse for not having good communication. Like we can't go, well, this is my personality. I'm just fiery. And that allows you to just kind of spit off things and raise your voice and kind of over uh, talk someone. Wouldn't you say, Aaron? Like, oh yeah. I was just vibing with you. It's, it's so true. The main thing here, and we're all talking about personal development, growing as an individual. I mean, anytime that you think that you're fixed, that is a block. That's going to be a problem for you, because as human beings, we're always changing people. If you can look back just over your last year, are you the same person that you were a year ago? And that could be for the positive or the, go ahead. I said, thankfully not. (laughs) Right. And you know what? Sometimes that's in a positive sense and sometimes maybe not so much. But the, the main point is here to just see yourself as an always evolving and changing person and to be more conscious of that. So yeah, you have your certain set of personalities. You have the ways that you sort of default in your reactions, Brandon, as you said, or how you respond or when emotion arises. Do you tend to shut down? Do you want to be quiet? Do you leave the room? Can I there may be that? things that you do, but 
are you open to that it can be different? I think that's the main thing is that as an individual, you're saying, okay, I am responding this way, but it doesn't have to continue that way. I want to say one more thing about that too, because Oh, so for example, we have a relationship assessment that we take a lot of people through in our courses and coaching. And one of the uh, parts of the assessment talks about their dynamics. And one of them shows like their assertiveness, their level of assertiveness, is it high, low, um, partner dominance, avoidance, like do they avoid topics? And people can look at their results and be like, all right, my assertiveness is low, your assertiveness is high my uh, avoidance is low, yours is high and think, oh, well, that's just how I am. I'm not an assertive person. When you don't have to stay that way, if it doesn't work for the relationship, you can absolutely set a goal of, okay, my personal goal over the next few months is to work on being more assertive. May not be equal to your partner. It's not about Mm -hmm. now I need to come up to your level of assertiveness because again, you can be different but we can't just look at our results and go, well, that's just my personality. That's mm-hmm. where I'm stuck. Right. Yes. I have to go back. I just have to go back for a second to you guys' communication agreement. I just got to know, how, how do you do that? I mean, you made it, and I, those are awesome things to live by, but how do you guys not yell? How do you guys not ever curse or do any of the things that we all want to do so badly when we're super angry with the other person? Yeah, it's so great you asked that, and it's it's not like we made the agreement and then we never do it. But the main thing is that when you're in a calm, connected place, you're, oh, and Brandon, you said this earlier, it's, you're being proactive. It's like, okay, we notice that we get into conflicts when this event comes up or when you say this, I get defensive. So, hey, as to in the future, not have it go that way, let's, let's create agreements. Oh, okay. I want to be connected to you and I want to come back into connection when we have these little blips faster and faster. And your partner might say, well, that sounds great to me. So you're in this same place, right? Where you're a we, you're on the same page. So then you start to look at, well, what things trigger me? Where do I typically default in my actions when I am triggered? So then you start to make these agreements. Like Jocelyn mentioned, no swearing. One that she didn't mention was, um, not leaving the room, like not turning your back or just leaving the room without saying like, hey, I'm requesting to take a pause and take a break and let's come back to this in five minutes. So when you make those agreements, when you're in a connected, calm state, then you're easily able to remind each other when it does happen. So yes, we do break agreements, but then we can actually pause and say, oh, hey, you know, that was one of the agreements. And because you remember that you made that together, in the moment, you're like, okay, yes, you're right. When? I do have to say it like this. If you don't make agreements and then you try to coach your partner during the conflict, that makes it worse. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> so if Jocelyn was trying to tell me, hey, don't leave the room, don't swear at me, and we have never talked about that, I'm going to feel more controlled. But when you make the agreement ahead of time, it's a reminder and you know that you were a part of creating that. So it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's get back to the agreements. I'd also add to like, that's great for kind of in the moment. People aren't pausing enough and doing like a relationship audit, a relationship check-in. And so if you're going to create agreements for communication, you want to make sure that you're having like reviews. Again, we use a lot of parallels to either like, you know, your job or a business. You have a review with your employer Mm -hmm. to see your performance. 
we can use that in the relationship. Now, again, it's not all sterile and cold, like, okay, husband, let me give you your review. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Report card. More from a partnership loving place. And that's why we actually have a PDF people can use for, it's a family meeting worksheet. And you're basically giving your satisfaction score in each area of your life and relationship with communication being one. And we always recommend doing that family meeting once a week would be ideal, like 30 minutes a week, or if that's you know too much, at least once or twice a month. And in that time, you would sit down and say, okay, let's score our communication. You know, how, what's the quality of our communication been? And at that time, you can revisit. Have we been keeping our promises? Is there a place we can get better? Like setting your next goal for it. Progress doesn't happen overnight. And you're never going to be perfect. That would be a boring relationship if you were perfect. But if you consistently sit down and do that relationship check-in, you can evolve over time. And it's not going to happen in a week. But it's going to be about consciously returning to those agreements, returning to your satisfaction in all areas of the relationship on an ongoing basis. And then you wake up a year later and go, wow, we've made a lot of progress. Like, look at us. Yeah, I love that idea. And I, just to go back, I love the tie-in with, with the business as well. And like when you're trying to you know, have employees or work with other people, it's funny how in those moments, usually you're more tame like when you're talking about conflict, like you're not generally swearing at your employees or freaking out at them. Um, if you are, you probably don't have employees very, very long. But then, yeah, you'd be getting sued a lot. Right. But then in your relationship, somehow behind closed doors, it just kind of goes out the window. And so that's a very important aspect of communication, I'd say. And then just going up to your assessment that you were just talking about, it sounds very interesting The problem that we see with a lot of couples is that whole honesty factor because you don't want to hurt each other's feelings if it's not going as well. You don't want to be honest a lot of the times on what you need from the other person because it's almost like you're taking a jab at them even if it's not meant in that way. So how important is it to be honest because you certainly don't want to get to a place where you're afraid to have the conversation, but then the marriage ends in a divorce. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, it's really a powerful question. Like that's amazing because I think if people don't yet have the skills or tools for what their partner says to them. So let's say a couple listens to this and they're like, okay, I want to go be honest with my partner and I'm going to tell them I'm not very happy about our communication and not about our intimacy and sex. If you don't then have the skills or tools for communication, that wouldn't go well, right? So that's where we do believe in having some kind of a container, a safe space, whether that's an online course, like we have an online course or a coach um, or the couple's workshop a place where there's a container for, okay, because here's what happens in ours, for example. They get their relationship assessment, but then they're not just left hanging. They then have the support of either the workshops in the course that take them through, okay, here's your communication results. That's okay. Here are the tools to grow that, to raise the score. Or if they chose to work with us in coaching, we're going to support them. So they aren't just left. Like if you got your, let's say a doctor took all this blood tests and all of a sudden they're like, well, here's your score. And you're like, Ooh, that doesn't look good. All those red numbers that might not be good. And then the doctor didn't give you any tools or advice or recommendations. And so I think that for couples listening, like find some kind of container, a safe space, a coach, a listener, a course that can then help you navigate that because you're not going to be graded it right away. And you need to be taught the right way to listen to each other 
um, how to feel like you don't have to react to your partner's score. Yeah, I think I think that all sounds really great. And going back to what Aaron had talked about a little bit earlier, really, he was talking about the idea of the fixed versus the growth mindset. And that obviously goes to us as individuals, but us as a couple as well. And if you're operating in that fixed mindset, then obviously you think you're kind of just the way you are. <laughs> One of the things we get from people as well, and and I know you've talked about having like the assessment and the PDF, but a lot of what we hear from other people just working in the space of personal growth is one partner or the other decides to become really serious about their personal growth or say they want to become really serious about making their relationship better. But then they find that the other partner doesn't actually support them. And that can be difficult because you feel like you're trying to better yourself or your relationship, but that partner's not there to kind of replicate that behavior. So what recommendations would you guys have if someone finds their spouse or partner just not supporting their personal growth journey or their journey and just trying to make the relationship better? Yeah, I wanted to just say something really quickly. And then I know Aaron has something too, because I was actually the one that introduced Aaron to personal development. (laughs) And uh, it's funny because I was actually in a coaching program at the time. So I needed some support in like how to deliver these communications to him because my first attempt wasn't great. Uh, I was kind of making it more about here's where you could be better. And here's the things you could work on, like almost trying to fix him. And I did this in the past relationship too. And that doesn't go well. And I think that's how most people approach it is like, you aren't good at communication. So you need to do personal development, like pointing it out as a, this is going to fix you kind Mm -hmm. of a tone. And that's a lot of times the mistake. So my approach totally changed. So Aaron, I'd love to hear like from my approach, what changed and then what else you were thinking of? Well, you just have to make, as Jocelyn was saying, you have to make it about them. And I think early on in the but personal in a positive development, sense. well, yeah, you want, as you said, you want to get your partner to do personal development because you see where you want them to be different. And then we could put in quotes better. You might say that, but that's some, that's what you want out of them. So it's an easy place for then your partner to get kind of defensive because under the surface, they're thinking, And they wouldn't say this, but, oh, man, am I disappointing my partner? Am I not living up to the expectations or my commitments or my vows that I made? And that's under the surface, right? But if you just switch and share, like, how it's going for you. Oh, my gosh, I went to this seminar, and I learned this about myself, and I'm actually really excited to start this mission, or I see my new purpose. And then be more curious about them. Hey, what are some places that you'd like to get even better? So you just have to ask more questions, I think, about them, and then they can start in on their own journey. So maybe they, they maybe they find out they like to take on a different role at work, or maybe they have like a men's group or a group of friends, and they want to be more outspoken or something. Let them drive the boat on where they can see where they want to be better in any area of life, and then they'll start to do the things to progress forward. Maybe they start listening to a podcast or Maybe they start reading a particular book about that. So it's just about getting on the path and as the partner, being more interested in what that path is for them and why. Right. Yeah, Jocelyn, I like to take the credit for Brandon's personal growth journey too. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because for me, I started just running and I didn't ask him to run. I didn't say, Brandon, we should do this together. I just started doing it. And eventually that running, I think, hopefully, I hear that it kind of rubbed off on him. And then all of a sudden I was listening to podcasts. I think the first podcast I asked him to listen to was Rise Together with Rachel and Dave Hollis. 
And uh, from there, everything just kind of sparked and here we are. I love that. Yeah. One person like lead by example, really, that's the best way that you can, you know, in, I love the word enroll, like to enroll someone to inspire someone is through your own example. And I think a lot of people can be skeptical of their partner, just kind of having these moments, these bursts of being inspired or motivated by someone. And then they fall off the track two months later. So they go, Oh, see, it's just another one of those gimmicks. Well, you've got to be consistent, not perfect, but consistent in doing your personal development because ultimately it's not that your partner doesn't want to grow. Like I'd say that the majority of people wouldn't say, I have no interest in being a good person or growing or being better. It's more so about the delivery. It's the way that it's brought up. And there's one other thing I'd add too. We find that, because I think one thing we're really grateful for with our brand is that we seem to resonate with men. A lot of women are like, oh my God, thank God I found you because he's only been open to you guys. And I think it's because we talk about your vision. You know, what is your vision that you want? And when people start to see what their goals are and what they're moving towards, they're then willing to grow and become the person that can be like, live that vision, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. I actually saw, I, th- I think you had posted over on Instagram recently about how so many more men were uh, ordering your guys' book. And I was like, yeah, I mean, totally. I, I think I think a lot of times, and, and we kind of try to cut through this in in a lot of our conversations, but a lot of times it's almost like it's it's focused on the women's side because society says men are just supposed to be the tough guys and not really, basically not care you know, the, the stereotype would be that we just are laid back and leisurely and the household goes, you know, you know where if the wife isn't around. And I love it. I love that you guys were talking about the men actually coming forward because I truly believe that men play a humongous part in leading the household and leading the marriage. And that's how we've tried to position our marriage. And no, that doesn't mean that I'm like controlling or telling Meg what to do or that I'm doing anything in that regard where we are a partnership. But there are plenty of times in our relationships where I've had to carry more of the load or Meg's had to carry more of the load. And I think that's how good relationships work. Oh, yeah. Mm, Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And we like the term co-leading a household now. And it's exactly what you're saying. There may be seasons where one partner the male or the female takes on more of a overall leadership role, but you can also think of this in the particular areas that make up your relationship, right? And a lot of people don't think about the areas of your relationship. They just think of it as one entity, but you have your finances, your intimacy, your social life, your leisure life, family, sex, if I didn't say that already. So there are many different areas, finances. So you can actually see yourself as leading one of those areas. And I think this is one of the reasons why some couples also get stuck is for a male, it's definitely possible that you feel like you're being told what to do or you're not the leader, you're not in control, but it's really about finding the area that you want to lead, right? So look at an area. Would you want there to be more sex, more spirituality, uh, it's a different direction in the finances. If so, take the lead on that. And your partner is going to really appreciate that. And I really feel like it's, it's in that experience, in that feeling of leading a certain aspect of your relationship that has you feel that contribution. And it's really that piece that brings you back together into this co-leading place. So just to kind of summarize this longer statement, if any couple is kind of feeling disconnected or 
not sharing in leadership, it's because I feel one person feels like they're in the back seat while the other one's driving. So if you find yourself there, just look at one of these areas and decide which area would you like to progress forward and be the leader of in that area. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, just the whole, I love the whole idea of that because obviously me and Megan and uh, you and Jocelyn are completely different people. So like there's going to be strengths that they have where maybe you aren't as strong. I hate to say the word weakness, but you really have to kind of, like you said, take the lead. And I just love that idea of co-leading. I'm going to have to use that now. I'm not the leader. I'm the co-leader, Aaron, the co-leader of the household. I love that. And so when you look at it from that place, right? So maybe, Megan, maybe you're leading in the social, in the physical, right? In the workouts. Brandon, maybe you're leading in the intimacy and the finances. And when you look at it from that perspective, now you're co-leading together. There's not one leader. It's that you're sharing these responsibilities and you can feel so much like a team when you're both feeling the level of contribution and leadership in different areas. For sure. So I know that our time is kind of closing in on us. I have to ask for the people that are in we're, that are going through what we went through so many years ago now, what would you say to a listener who thinks that their relationship is really unfixable. If you could just tell them one thing, if they only got one thing out of this episode, what would that be? Gosh, well, if you're listening and you feel that way, number one, you're awesome because you're listening. And I would say it's only over when you say it's over. And so if you are committed, it might not be easy and you might have to learn a lot, but actually I think this is one of the best things that we can learn about relationships. Your relationship is not meant to be easy. Your relationship is meant to serve your growth. And not enough people see their relationship as actually a way for them to grow and become better people. Your relationship is your greatest teacher. And if you can start to look at your relationship and go, okay, what is this showing me about myself? It could even be about infidelity. It could be that someone was unfaithful or someone broke trust or someone is not making any attempts for sex and intimacy. You can ask yourself, what is this showing me about myself? What lesson is this providing for me? And if both people are willing to look at it that way, and willing to say, you know what, maybe all of this conflict, all of these challenges, all of what we think is over might just be a couple of skills that we need to learn. We actually have people that go, had we learned this one communication technique that they took away at our workshop, it could have saved us years of thinking that we were just disconnected, maybe just to give up. And so I would just encourage you to say, it might not be you that you're not right for each other, that you shouldn't be together, but actually you're just missing a couple of skills and you can always learn new skills if you're both willing. Oh, I love that. Like any big challenge, you just got to take it one step at a time, right? So true. And in fact, I'll add one small piece to that. You know, if you're feeling like the relationship is over, as you said, Megan, I would ask if, do if you have a vision for your relationship and the answer is most likely no so what you should do is create a vision statement which is more so what is your relationship meant to represent so too often we just see ourselves as an individual and in this case an individual trying to survive with another person living together in life together. And that's a really small identity, if you will. So if you can expand your identity to see both of you as in service of this larger entity that's called your relationship, and you see that what you can bring as an individual to serve that purpose, to serve what that relationship is meant to represent, and all of a sudden these 
things that seem like a big deal, like the conversations or the conflicts you were having or the upsets, seem much smaller in reference to the larger vision and what your relationship is truly here to, to represent. The vision, that is, that is good stuff. Guys, before we wrap up this chat for real, for listeners who want to find out more about what you do or even get in touch with you to do some of this coaching, to do some of this hard work we've been talking about, how can they find you? You're so amazing for asking that. Well, a couple ways. So we actually just opened our Power Couple Book Club group yesterday. And there's so much energy and excitement in there. And actually would love for the two of you to be in it as well. So imagine being in the group with couples around the country and Canada. Gotta love the Canadians. And we're all sharing relationship insights, tools. We're doing online workshops in there, conversation starters, contests, giveaways, all around connecting like-minded, growth-oriented couples. Couples. And so the only requirement to be in this private community with all of those bonuses is that you've ordered a copy of our book. But here's the thing. We pay for the book. Like we actually out of our pockets pay for the copy of the book and we just ask you to cover shipping, which is $6.95. So it's a no brainer. And so you can actually go to the new I'll say that again, the new You can order that free copy of the book and then you'll get an immediate invite to be in the club. And that's a great place to connect with us. We're super active in there. We're going to be doing Facebook lives. We're going to answer every question that we get. And then also for those of you that are listening and enjoy podcasts, we have a podcast as well called the Empowered Couples Podcast. And our website obviously has information about coaching and our courses. So it really just depends on the level that you want to connect with us. Jocelyn and Aaron, thank you so much for being on today. We know this episode is really going to resonate with a lot of people and we just appreciate all the work that you're putting in for couples out there. Thank you oh, for having thank you for us. Thank you for having us on, yes. Hey B, what did you think of that episode? I think it was pretty dang good. Well, what should someone do if they enjoyed these last 30 minutes? They should probably head over and leave us a review so we can reach more people. They definitely should. Guys, if you like the Fools in Love podcast, please go follow us over on Instagram at Fools in Love Podcast. We'd love to connect with you and learn more about what you'd like to hear. 